Welcome to Transformation Church RVA. This sermon is a part of the series, This Is My Story. In this series, we take the infallible truths of Scripture and pair them with the powerful testimonies of God's people. We will see how our stories declare timeless truths about God. Our scripture reading for today will be out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. It says, so we have stopped evaluating others by what the world thinks about them. Once I mistakenly thought of Christ that way, as though he were merely a human being. How differently I think about him now. What this means is that those who become Christians become new persons. They are not the same anymore, for the old life is gone, a new life has begun. All this newness of life is from God, who brought us back to himself through what Christ did. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. This is the wonderful message he has given us to tell others. We are Christ's ambassadors, and God is using us to speak to you. We urge you, as though Christ himself were here pleading with you, be reconciled to God. For Christ, for God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Well, Roger and Jennifer, uh, I'm just so thankful that you've taken tonight to be here. Um, share the story of what God has done in your lives. And, um, but let's start by just, we'll introduce uh, the both of you. Because um, I know who you are. I've spent some time with you, uh, but they may not have. So let's, uh, Roger, tell us your name, how old you are, and where you grew up. Uh, my name is Roger Gibson. I'm 73, and I was born in uh, Charleston, West Virginia. Wow, I didn't know that. You didn't? I didn't yeah. know that. And uh, I, uh, uh, we, we, uh, I won't go into how we... You want me to go into a little bit how we met? Well, let's meet Jennifer okay. first. Jennifer, tell us a little bit about you. What's your name and how old are you and where'd you grow up? Um, I'm Jennifer Gibson. I'm 71 years old. Yeah. 71 years young. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I grew right up here in Chesterfield County. In fact, I, we live now on the land that I was born on. No way. Born on. So yeah. I knew your family w- was there. I didn't know you were. So you were born and raised there. Yep. Right in there was a my old home house was there. It got burnt down, but I was born at home right yeah. there on that land. Wow. So, yeah, it's kind of neat. It is. Yeah. What time? Um, I didn't go far from home. Didn't you? Didn't go far, <laughs> did you? No, you stayed close. Yeah. Um, well, tell me. Tell what was growing up. Uh, like for you guys, did you grow up in Christian homes, or uh, you know what did what did the family and, and and stuff look like for you guys? Roger, we'll start with you. Uh, no, I I uh, I came from a divorced home uh, at a very young age. My mom and dad uh, were divorced, and I was kind of out on my own for you know going here and there wherever I could and. Uh, I did that for a pretty good while, and uh, but uh, no, my mom or my dad wasn't a Christian, and uh, 
but after they split, I uh, I kind of went to relatives and stayed there. And when my welcome would be out there, I'd move on. And uh, I was just kind of around different people in my family who who really kind of had compassion on me and took me in. And I'd done that pretty much up until I went into the military. Military. Yeah. What, how old were you when you went in? Uh, 18. 18. Yeah, I got, I was in, I got drafted, uh, and, uh, when I got drafted, I went straight to, after boot camp, I went to AIT, then I went to Vietnam. I was in Vietnam in 67 and 68. Wow. So, Jennifer, what about you? Christian family and... Yeah, grew grew up up in a Christian home, came to this church ever since I was born until we got married and we um, went to another church, but we're back now, but anyway, I got married here, and um, yeah, I I was raised in a Christian home, and um, I wasn't a Christian, although I did all the motions and the right things, and you know, because I knew them, because I grew up in a Christian home. And I was baptized here when I was 12 years old at this church. And um, Now this is a fun fact, this wasn't here. No. This wasn't here, so you were baptized and raised? In the kitchen. In the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were a kid, that's where you went to church. Right. Okay. That's exactly right. That's cool. Yeah. So we got baptized here, but you know, I, when I'm going to say this, when I was baptized, I was baptized. I knew God, but I did. I knew Him up here, not here. You know, I got baptized because that was what you were supposed to do when you were 12 years old. You sure. know, but um, yeah. And then I met Roger. You know, after I right after high school, I was met Roger, and he was just getting out of from Vietnam and he was stationed down at Fort Lee. Wow. I met him. Yeah. So where did y'all meet? We met at the airport. <laughs> the airport? Yeah. Okay. Rich, Richmond Airport. R.I.C. Yeah. Where, I, how'd that? I was meeting my brother. He was coming in from Texas to my graduation that night. So I was meeting him and Roger was there dressed in his uniform and, um, <laughs> and actually my dad started talking to him. Okay. And, um, my dad didn't meet strangers, so he was talking to Roger and finding all about him. And so, anyways, um, then me and Roger got talking, and that was it. I went back to Texas for a couple of weeks, and the day I got home, Roger called me, and we dated for two weeks. He asked me to marry him, <laughs> and by the end of um, August, we dated till the end of July. And at the end of August, we were married. Oh, wow. Yeah. That quick. So y'all started dating in July, got engaged in July, got married at the end of August. That's right. right. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. And we've been married. How long? 52 years. 52 years. Yeah. Got it right. Got it right. Got it right. <laughs> yeah. well, t- tell me, t- Tell. obviously we've all faced hard times. What... Um, one thing I appreciate so much about you both is how genuine and real your relationship with Christ fleshes out in front of folks. It's, you just ooze it. You just ooze it. Um, th- can you tell me about facing some hard times? Uh, 
together? Well, I, we after we were married, you know, of course, we it wasn't long after we had our first child, and uh, you know, of course, I uh, I was working at Reynolds Metals at the time, and I was there wasn't there very long, and uh, a friend of mine got me a job at a trucking company. And I actually, I started to work there. And uh, while I was working there, it was a union company. And I found out the more I worked there, uh, they had a lot of layoffs. And sometimes uh, I didn't work a full 40 hours a week and things like that. And it got tough, especially the more family got larger. Uh, we had four girls and uh, we raised them and of course, she was um, babysitting kids at home, from, yeah. you know, to help uh, ends meet. And there was times when it got pretty tough financially. But uh, you know, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't long till uh, we uh, got involved with some good friends of ours, and we got going to church, and that's kind of how we got, you know. In with some good friends of ours and how we got that was kind of the beginning of when things was good for you know yeah as far as our so that was tough kind of at the start yes. oh yeah it was but especially with him being laid off and not knowing you know but of course I had my dad next door I could call up and borrow some money <laughs> <laughs> thank God for dad yeah, yeah that's right right but yeah it was and um we did my cousin and his wife got saved, you know, and then um, we started, we were hanging with them, we young, we all had young kids, and we just were hanging with them, and they were sharing their um, their testimony, really, their life with Christ, and, and we got real interested in it, and I tell you, we really got interested because um, we weren't saved at that time. And uh, we had been going to church, but some, but not really, you know. So we got, um, they would share with us, we got talking about Revelation. Mm. And that really cored my interest. I love, you know, talking about that and things I never heard or never read, you know, that they shared. And I thought, man, I want to. I don't want to be left behind after I got into Revelation. <laughs> so, you know, things began to change, and the Lord dealt with us. He dealt with him first. So. God dealt with you first? Yeah. yeah. I got I got saved, really, at home watching Billy Graham. Uh, I was watching Billy Graham one afternoon. I can't even remember the exact time it was, but I knew I was at home watching Billy Graham on the TV. And, you know, and he always, at the end of his message... Uh, said you need to accept Christ into your life and yeah. you know the consequences of sin and from and that day I accepted Christ as my savior and it didn't go off so good for her you know she wasn't really enthused about that yeah but uh, it's it's amazing how God works because it wasn't long uh, after that that she got saved at doing dishes <laughs> in, in, and uh, God spoke to her. Yeah. And she got she got saved. I got saved actually while I was doing dishes. When he got saved, he would, you know, come home from work and then he'd go in the bedroom and shut the door and 
have his time with God. And I thought, why has he got to do that all the time, you know? <laughs> and I was doing dishes, and he was back here praying. It just kind of made me angry, really. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, I was sitting there, and God said, you know, spoke to me. He was asking me, why are you angry, you know? Wow. And then um, I sat there and washing my dishes, and um, God spoke to me, and showed me things that I had learned in my childhood and, you know, and heard and um, God just spoke to my heart and I knew then it was my, that God, I was ready to open up and be a prayer war like him. (laughs) Well, you're both warrior status and, and so really, I, I didn't know this about your story but it was in your cousins coming to the Lord and telling you their story uh-huh. that started your story. Yeah. That's right. And so, because the, the theme today is mm-hmm. tell God's story. Yeah. And it wow. was in the telling yeah. of God's story that yeah. others had come to, that you guys specifically yeah. came right. to know Him. Yeah. And now uh, you raised four girls um, how many grandkids do you have? I've got 19 and four <laughs> great, great grandchildren. 19 grandkids and four greats. Yes. And y'all get together a lot. I know y'all's family yes. is very close. Very close. And I will say that they were all raised in a Christian home, Amen. and all four of my girls serve God. Wow. Yes. And are real involved in their churches. Mm-hmm. So. so you so almost this see this ripple yeah. of. Yeah of someone telling their story and then your story right. God changed and, and yes. worked in and now it has rippled into your kids yeah. right. and your grandkids right. and your great grandkids right. uh, generations now mm-hmm. um, I want to read a passage of scripture real quick and I, I want to get your thoughts on it because one of the reasons I wanted everyone to meet you is because of your passion for telling your story and for specifically for people knowing God's story right? Right. of yeah, Jesus right. Christ and right. the difference He makes. Uh, Second uh, Corinthians five, um, starting in verse sixteen, it says this, and, and y'all can just tell me your thoughts here. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know Him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Isn't that good? That's great. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God mm. through Christ. Why um, 
if you could share a message today of why it's important to tell God's story to others, what, what would you say? I would say God can change. He can take the old man and turn him into a new man. Because when I saw myself and knew that I was lost, and I knew that when I learned about Jesus and what he had done for me and he died for me, it changed my whole life. After we got saved, it was like all I wanted to do was live and serve him with yeah. all of my heart. I know I failed many times. We both did. And, uh, you know, we we went through some bumps and some ups and downs in our life. And uh, But if it hadn't been for God in our lives, and uh, we had a, a great preacher who helped us a lot along the way when we first got saved and I can still see him to this day where he brought us from we had Bible studies at homes and we got into the word real deep mm-hmm. and uh, he was telling us about you know um, Jesus coming again the rapture and things that and it ground and it grounded us in God's word we mm-hmm. studied the word of God and I know that's what kept us together because we hungered and thirst for righteousness. Yeah. And we wanted to be like Jesus. And we wanted to show a lost and dying world what it was what it was all about. Because we know if he could change our lives, he could change anybody's lives. Amen. Jennifer, what do you think? Is it important to tell the story? Absolutely. You know, I know when I first got saved, and I do now, but I've learned to not be sold right yeah. you know? but when I first got saved I just can remember going to a family reunion and I wanted I just was telling everybody about us getting saved you know and and um, about Jesus you know and what he does how he can take a life that is wretched and change it you know mm. to to um, and he doesn't care you know what you did or what you're doing he loves you the way you are right mm-hmm. now, and he wants you to come. You don't have to clean up for him. He's, you know, he's there for you right now. And yeah, I love to tell people about Jesus. And um, you know, I got some friends I work with that, you know, I don't can't say some of them I know don't know the Lord, but um, and I had the opportunity to share especially because they know where I stand and they will even come to you and ask you things, you know, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I love telling this story, so. Yeah, well, I'm I'm so encouraged by you both. I'm so thankful, Um, not only because you serve as deacons here, um, you're leaders here in this church, uh, you care for families, Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you serve faithfully in, in, in many different places. And I, I do want to say, man, we're just so thankful for you um, and for your your example that it is so important to tell others about the Lord. Amen. Whereas him, he's, as the scripture said, he's busy reconciling yeah. others That's to right. him through us. That's right. We're his vessels. Amen. Right. Well, I, I, I'd just like to say that... Uh, uh, and I think the older I get, the more that uh, I, I'm concerned about souls because I guess when you get older, you start thinking more about death and everything. And you know one day that 
we, it's pointed out for all of us wants to die, but where are you going to spend eternity? Mm -hmm. We need to ask ourselves that every day because one day we have uh, friends of ours who's just recently passed and yeah. we have some on the verge of death right now and it just breaks our heart because they don't know Christ. Mm. And we're doing what we can to try to, to bring that message to them before it's too late. Yeah. Because we only have one shot at this life. Yeah. And uh, I want to make it the right the right decision yeah. for yeah. myself and for them. Amen. Because to think that they had to spend eternity and, and be lost without well, Christ. Amen. Well, thank and you. And if they knew what joy it was to yeah. serve God, yeah. you know, you just... You just want to let them know that. You know, that's joy in serving. Kind of bubbles over. Oh, absolutely. It's wonderful. Yeah. Well, we love you. We, we love you all. Yeah. This love church. You Thank you for uh, sharing with us. And, uh, man, I'm just looking forward to all the stories we're going to get to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, okay. okay. That's you. it. All right. Yeah. That's good. Oh, man. Would you give Roger and Jennifer a hand for me? Um, just a couple announcements before I jump in. Um, one, if you're a member, uh, we're having a members gathering right after this. Just 15 minutes, nothing, nothing extensive, but I hope that uh, you'll hang out. Um, and then Easter's next week. Uh, we had some 150-odd names submitted last week that we've been praying over, and I hope you've been praying over, um, because someone's story could start next Sunday. Hey, if you fell asleep during that, I, man, I hope you didn't fall asleep, but wake up, hear me. Someone's story could start next Sunday, and it could start with your invite Don't, don't diminish your invite down to I'm just asking a friend. No, you're beckoning. You're, you're building a bridge, reconciling those far from God to him. That's, that's what that invite is. Uh, so make sure you are inviting. There are some more yard signs. Take them. Uh, if you don't have one out yet, take them. Put it in your yard. Grab some invite cards. Um, because I'm just excited about what God has in store each week here, but um, most definitely next week is we'll see an influx of visitors. As I watched Roger and Jennifer's video, you know what kept running through my mind? I'm so glad someone shared their story with me. I grew up in church as many of you may have, and like Jennifer even said, and, and, and y'all be praying for Jennifer. Her, she's hurting this morning, which is why she's not here. Be praying for her. Um, and she got baptized at a young age. Same. I didn't start serving the Lord till many years later. Baptism won't save you. You know that? Baptism won't save you. 
Saying the words that someone is saying to you doesn't save you. You know what saves you? Surrendering your heart to the Lord. The Holy Spirit begins to draw and woo you and you surrender. It is Christ who saves. You didn't save yourself. God saved you. You were dead. Well, let me, let me, let me, I got I'm about to preach my whole sermon. Hold on. I need to recap very first. This is the last week of the series. How many of you have enjoyed these testimonies? Yeah, amazing testimonies. Um, the first week we met Jerry, and uh, we talked about how God is the author of our stories, that our stories begin in God. They don't start with our parents. They don't start with our parents getting married, or they don't start anywhere but in God himself is where life begins. That our beginning is in God. And in week two, we said God can change how your story ends. And we met Chris, Chris Holt, who you probably see each Sunday at the door. And Chris um, shared his story of how uh, he started out in the hotels, or he started out kind of rough childhood, ended up in the hotels, um, drugs, you name it, and now he surrendered his life to the Lord, got baptized, and is serving the Lord faithfully every week, on Sundays and outside of Sunday. Chris is already ahead of most of the Christians I know who just serve on Sundays, and some won't even do that, but we won't talk about that today. Some of y'all got real uncomfortable when I said that. You're like, it's okay, we'll talk about it later. Um, but we, we looked at the scripture in 1 Corinthians that said, such were some of you. Such were some of you, you bunch of heathens. Look back, remember, that such were some of you. Liars and cheaters. But now you're not. Your identity is now in Christ. And so God can change your story. And then last week, God has a story planned for you. We met Candon and we talked about how Jeremiah 29, 11, right? God has a plan for my life and how sometimes that plan can look like it's out of control or why are these bad things happening? And what we discussed last week is this very, very important thing all Christians should know. What is that? That God is sovereign, God is in control all the time, in all things, in all things, in the bad and in the good, that he is in control, which is good. That's good news. That's good news. Some people would question and say, what kind of God would allow me to do this? Well, one thing we find from scripture is that we serve a good God. And if he's the author and we know what he can do, I can be content, my contentment, your contentment, isn't contingent on my situation. My peace is not contingent on the phase of life that I'm in. My faith, my peace, my contentment is rooted in knowing that I serve a good God and that he's in control. 
And we said that to know God's plan is to know God. Let me give you a little background of the text. You've heard it a couple different times today. 2 Corinthians is a letter written to the church in Corinth in Greece by a guy named Paul. And if you, how many of you, no, never mind, don't raise your hands. Do not raise your hands. This is rhetorical. Do not raise your hands. How many of you have ever gone to a church that's all jacked up? Ah! He did it. Dang, gone it. A pastor told me years ago when I was interning, he said, uh, Carl, as long as there's people in the church, it's going to be very, very messy. As long as you and I are here, church is going to be very, very messy. Well, Paul uh, is writing to the Corinth church in Corinth because things have become messy. This church is dysfunctional, sin rampant, and they're not doing well. A lot of division. Um, they had forgotten whose they were. We saw that two weeks ago. But what I want to look at, particularly in the text today, today's theme is tell God's story. Tell God's story. And we'll see why this is important. Um, the God who changed us, this is the big idea, is the God who sends us to tell his story. So what changes? Um, what changes in us when we come to know Jesus? And I want to explain that. The text explains it. Let's look together at verse 16 very quickly today. We'll talk about three things that change. Everybody say three. Okay. It says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. The very first thing that changes when you come to know the Lord is your perspective. Number one way I know someone is a Christian is because their perspective shifts. Their perspective completely shifts. They begin to see people differently. Um, this particular verse in 16 says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. That so means we have to look back a little bit to figure out why. Uh, this whole section, the ambassador section of this chapter, actually starts in verse 11, where it says, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. Would that define your life? Would that define your life, that you are working hard to persuade others to know Jesus? Or is it just something you expect other people to do and not you? Paul isn't writing to just the pastors or the staff. He is not writing to just people who speak eloquently or people who have some miraculous story. No, he's writing to the entire church. And he's saying, we should be working hard to persuade others. Why? Look at verse 14. Verse 14 says, either way, Christ's love controls us. 
it urges us towards something. The love of Christ in your life should be propelling you towards what we're about to talk about. And then it says, at the end of verse 15, instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised from them, so we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Why? Because Christ can change them just as he changed you. You know no one's beyond the love of God. That nothing can separate us is what the New Testament would say. Nothing can separate us. And there are probably people in your life, and I know I have felt this way at times, and the Lord has since brought conviction over me, but there have been people I've looked at and I said, they are too far gone. I'm not even going to pray for them anymore. Oh, just, just let them rot. They don't care, I won't either. We should work hard to persuade others, and we should, our perspective should have changed, and we should be evaluating others, not from a human point of view. What does that mean? We shouldn't be looking at their money, or how they dress, or what car they drive, or how big their bank account is, how much influence they have, or their past. No. Not a Christian, not a Christ follower. Christ died for me while I was yet a sinner. And we have the audacity to stand back and continue with some worldly perspective, some human point of view that's fleshly and surface level. When when, when we find in 1 Samuel that God looks on the heart. God help us. Just very quickly, and I wish I could dive a little deeper on this and maybe some other time, but it then goes on to say, at one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. We cannot allow culture and the world around us to dictate our view of God. We live in a time where people will try and define God differently outside the context of the scripture. They will try and define God by how they feel. Let me tell you something. If I defined God by how I felt, some of, some of us would have a pretty poor looking God. Yeah? If God changed every time my emotions did or every time a season of life came, then what kind of God is that worthy of worship? No, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We cannot allow the news, the media, social media, our friends, our family to begin. What they'll do, the very first thing folks do is they say, oh, this isn't actually the word of God. That's the very first thing they'll do. That's the very first thing culture will try to do is get you to doubt this. And when they've done that, it's all over. They can make God whoever they want him to be. And while culture may be comfortable with that, Christians should not be. 
We find God here. This is where God is. Now, we're, we're finite. We're human, okay? There's no way we could totally see all that God is, but we shouldn't allow culture to dictate it. Our perspective should be different. So there's a change in perspective. Number two, there's a change in our position. So there was a change in our perspective when we found Jesus, when, well, when Jesus found us, and there's also a change in our position. Let's look at 17 and 18. Uh, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. What is this saying? This means I am not who I once was. Hey, that's good news. If that doesn't get you excited, you want to go to sleep, look, we've got cots in the back. You can go on. But I'm excited because I can declare of the Lord, I am not who I once was. It has nothing to do with me. And the problem is we have a lot. This is called regeneration. That's the theological term, regeneration. It is not a picture of bad people becoming good. Let me try this over here. This is not a picture of bad people becoming good. This is a regeneration is a picture of dead people becoming alive. What does that mean? There is no sliding scale on salvation. You're either saved or you're not. There's not, I'm in the process of becoming a Christian. There's no, I'm in the process of getting saved. Now, there is sanctification, which is you are saved and you are becoming more like Christ. But if we define it by bad and good, many of us would think we're saved. And can I tell you, there are many people in churches today warming the pews, sitting watching online, who would say, yes, I'm saved, but they're just judging themselves, not on Christ but I'm better than my neighbor, or I'm not a bad guy. I'm a good person. That does not define regeneration. You're either dead or you're alive. And there were, can I caution us just for a minute? Please don't leave me. There were many days, and I could go into more of Paul's writings here, but there are many days that I spent thinking I was alive and I was dead because I attended service or I went to small group or I volunteered somewhere. But there was no desire to obey him in my heart. There was no surrendering of my will to his. There was no sign. There was no fruit. I was still living like I was a sinful heathen. Hear me today. You're dead or you're alive. There's no in-between. Where are you? Where are you? That's what the Holy Spirit does in us. He woos us back from death to life. That's what was accomplished on the cross. That is what Christ did. He brought us back, verse 18, to himself through Christ. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Sanctification is the process by which we are saved and he molds us into his image. He is the, uh, 
He's the potter, I'm the clay, right? Let's look at verses 18 through 21, the last part of 18 through 21. So he changes our perspective, then he changes our position, and, and then he changes our purpose. It says, and God has given us this task. Who's us? And me, all of us, the church, the church, Christians. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. That is bonkers. Do people even say bonkers? I look to my cool section over here because my wife will just say I'm stupid. So, no, I'm just kidding. You should hear some of the things I say. You'll know why she says that. Um, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Yeah. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Some of y'all's appeals look pathetic. If that's okay to say. If it's not, the elders can meet with me afterwards. But if I were to judge that Christ was no longer counting your sins against you by your appealing others, it would be a very poor appeal. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. He changes our perspective. That's the very first thing you can sense when you begin to surrender your life to Christ. There's a perspective shift. I see, I can see clearly now, right? He changes our position. I'm no longer dead. I'm alive. And the markers of that is I desire to obey him. I'm not king of my life anymore. Goddess. Very simple. And then he changes our purpose. Now, I'm not living for me. I'm living to build a bridge of reconciliation from people who are far from God. You, oh, you thought you were just an accountant. You thought you were just a mechanic. You thought you were just an executive. No, God uniquely wired and placed you where you are. Not tomorrow, today. He wired you and he will place you exactly where you are. Why? To be his ambassador. To build a bridge of reconciliation from people, for people who are far from God. To connect them to the God who loves them and is drawing them to himself and as the band comes back, I must ask you, what's your story? What's your story? 
We've heard so many. We've heard so many stories the last four weeks. And I believe we need to ask ourselves, why aren't we telling God's story? Some of us aren't telling God's story because we're not actually saved. Some of us are not telling God's story because we're fearful. You don't want to push people away or you don't want to be accused of being too preachy, right? I don't want to be one of those Christians, you know. But it There's going to come a point, there's going to come a point where Christ is going to return and you're either dead or you're alive. There's no in between and you could be the bridge. You could be the bridge. You've got family. Tell God's story. Tell, tell whatever the story is. Oh, pastor, I don't know what my story is. There, there are two types of people watching today. There are those who are Christians and know God. Okay? For you, you need to look at your life and just begin to tell the story. You don't need to be some great preacher. Obviously, look, I'm still here. Ah, shots fired. You don't need to have some miraculous testimony. Just tell the story. And there are also people today who are watching this or maybe sitting in this room who would say, Carl, I feel the Holy Spirit drawing me to him. Ah, I want that to be my story. I want that to be my story. I can feel Christ wooing me towards him. And you know what that is? Because you'll feel the conviction. You'll feel weight. You'll feel a heaviness. A realization that you're a sinner and that you can't do it without him. I can't tell you how many people I've knelt at an altar with who have been to church for 20, 30, 40 years and on their deathbed maybe come to know the Lord for the very first time. Can I tell you it's never too late? never too late there is a seat at the table for you his grace does not run thin his invitation is open do you know him today please don't turn him away my prayer throughout this series has been very singular God, help us to define our stories so that people can see you. What's your story? What is your story? May God help us today as I get ready to pray that you would leave here and understand that somebody's waiting on you not to preach them a sermon. Just say, hey, I'm I've experienced God heal my marriage. I've experienced God heal my broken heart. Hey, you know what? You know what God did for me? You know, 
I used to be an avid liar, and now I love the truth. I used to cheat people. I used to wrestle with this. I used to wrestle with that. Just tell your story. It doesn't have to be pretty. Lord knows your sin isn't. And that's all it takes. It's one person telling their story and then all of a sudden you have Roger and Jennifer coming to know the Lord because their cousins came to know the Lord and told the story. And now they have a generation of daughters and grandkids and great-grandkids and a whole generation and a whole community that could know the Lord because you told your story. One story. One story. Father, today, help us. Help us, Jesus, to tell the story of your love, of your grace. Help us to build bridges. Not, let us not hide from those that don't know you, but let us build bridges from them to your throne. Lord, help us this week through the Holy Spirit to invite people who need to know you. And that next Sunday, we see a record number of people come to know you. And today, Father, for those listening, under the sound of my voice, with every head bowed and every eye closed, and maybe you're watching from home, if God is drawing you this moment to himself, maybe you've gone to church your whole life, but all of a sudden now you realize, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I know what he did for me. I want you to say this prayer with me. Father Jesus, today, I am a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I know that you died and shed your blood for my sin. But I also know that you rose on the third day, sealing life and salvation. Lord, would you help me surrender my life to you? Let your Holy Spirit convict me of the things that are sinful and wrong in me. I confess you as Lord of my life. I give you complete control today. Today, right now, is the beginning of my story with you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving Father, I'm thankful for those who said that prayer today. And Lord, I ask that if whoever said that prayer would reach out to us, they would fill out a connect card and say, hey, pastor, I, I need someone to walk alongside me. That they wouldn't be embarrassed of their sin or embarrassed that they've been in church their whole life, but they would just, with renewed passion, say, God, today I've just made the God you're speaking of, the Lord of my life. How do I walk this out? We give you glory and honor and praise for that in the name of Jesus. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.